The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. A lot to get to today as we are kicking off a holiday weekend. We've got uh, not our usual Thursday selections, but uh, Friday is going to have uh, some headliners, a couple top 25 versus top 25 matchups. Saturday doesn't give us the normal rivalry um, slate, but we do have the Iron Bowl and others. Much more we will get to throughout. And of course, checking in with our week 13 early line look ahead. Got a couple questions about some, uh, some teams, but we begin with the hottest controversy uh, in college football right now because when we had the the college football Saturday and the news of Clemson and Florida State being postponed uh, initially came out, it was followed by some reporting. We had some levels, and by the time 12 o'clock came around, I think that we had a little bit of clarity in terms of the situation. We didn't discuss it much on um, the Instant Reaction podcast because – we had a full slate of games, right? Like we dealt with the news from 9 a.m. to noon, and then all of a sudden the games took over. We had the whole, like, is Michigan going to lose to Rutgers was very much uh, in the instant part of the instant reaction show. But then we've got Dabo Sweeney's Sunday teleconference comments, and we've got Athletic Director Dan Radakovich going on Packer and Durham. A couple different uh couple different sides to this that I would uh, that I'd like to pick apart but we got to start with Danny Cannell. I mean this is Knowles to go at the beginning of the show, right? I mean this is like Knowles to go right off the jump. Danny, I know that uh I'm I'd like to think that Clemson didn't want that smoke tweet from at Danny Cannell was actually what inspired uh, Dabo Sweeney to come out on Sunday. Cause I know Dabo follows you from his burner account and he didn't, totally. he didn't like that taunting when he spent, I mean, we set up the, the Ringley brothers tent in an empty parking lot. We spent $300,000 trying to get nine buses to get the team together. He's, he's angry, man. You know what? What do you make of this? He is fired up this is angry Dabo which we've seen before um I've been trying to figure out like what's such the big deal about this game like it's not really a resume builder right it's not going to help their chances to get to the playoff um maybe it's about Trevor Lawrence's Heisman campaign that would make more sense it's about it's a stat game where you can go out there um I'm sure there are frustrations I understand that you did make some efforts to go to the game but you know what you probably should have done before you travel to the game? Have the test situation buttoned up so that this didn't happen specifically. But now the unfortunate thing that's happened is basically Dabo has become the guy in the chat room who's on there all caps yelling at everybody saying, this is what happened. This is where we need to go. And it kind of sparks this flurry of activity that goes out there because now you've got Clemson fans who are even more angry and they're following Dabo, their Pied Piper right down that road. And it doesn't make anybody look good. Like it's, it just is a really unfortunate situation. 
I get that you're disappointed, but really the way you handle this is you put out your statement, say we're really bummed, we wanted to play, we thought we could play, it's unfortunate, and maybe we'll make the game up. Or you don't even have to say that. Just cut the statement off short. To air out your dirty laundry the way that Florida State and Clemson and the ACC, they all look bad in this circumstance. In a year when we've all been dealt a bad hand, why make it worse? Uh, but I can't understand for the life of me why Dabo Sweeney is making such a big deal out of this game specifically. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, I'm looking at theory of, uh, you know, the recruits. Well, Florida State didn't want to get beat down by, uh, you know, Clemson because maybe it helped their recruits. Uh, newsflash, Florida State isn't very good. Like, I, if you're a recruit and you think that, oh, that would have made the difference if, oh, they got beat by Clemson by 70. Now I'm not going there. If you really believe that to be the case, then I have a, I, like, I have a bigger problem with you as a person. I, I just, again, I don't know why it's been made such a big deal of. I get you traveled and it sucks and there was some money involved, but there's a lot of money out there that's been lost this season. It's not like you guys are the only one that have lost a big payday. I got a theory mm. on why it's a theory? big deal. So it's not my theory. Um, it's I, I got to credit Bud Elliott for digging this up. And I think he's in the midst of writing something on it right now. Um, but here's, here's the um, ACC official rules on, on the season. For any team to be eligible for the ACC football championship game or to be considered in a tiebreaker, such team must have played within one total conference game of the average number of conference games played by all conference teams. All right. So, for example, whatever. You guys get it. All right. So, currently, um, uh, whether it would be able to see, currently Clemson is – so 9.73 is the average is the, is the average right now. Uh, if Clemson didn't make up this game and Miami were to go ahead and you know went out and uh, finish all, complete all their games, and if we assume everything sort of goes status quo, Clemson would not be eligible for the ACC championship without rescheduling this game. Now currently Clemson is sitting there with a, an open date prior to the ACC championship game. Now, Notre Dame is probably going to have to play Wake Forest before the ACC championship game. So basically, as I see it, and I don't know if this is why Dabo's pissed, but it might be, is he's looking at this being like, man, we, we, we're about to have a pretty sweet deal where we sit out before the ACC championship game and we're golden. Now, we may have to play these jokers a week before the game, risk somebody getting hurt, miss our week of rest, and 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 we have to reschedule it, so he's a little pissed. In addition, to just the inconvenience of showing up down in Tallahassee and being sent back home. Um, perhaps, perhaps that's kind of what what's got him peeved is the idea that like he he can't just let this slide. Like they got to get this on the schedule again. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know what? Another thing he might be pissed about, or why he might be so pissed. If that game's played on Saturday and it was a 35-point spread, Clemson cruises to a win. Are we talking about Clemson right now? No. Okay. I mean, with Danny, we are. You know, <laughs> like, saying, though, is, is anybody paying any? Nobody's paying attention to that game if it gets played, even though it's Clemson, Florida State, because it's probably a huge blowout. It's not going to have any impact on the ranking because if Clemson blows out Florida State, then they're just going to stay where they were ranked. But now we're talking about Clemson. No, so I, I, uh, I, that's a very cynical Tom for now. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just taking the same approach Dabo is where he's pretending Clemson's the victim here where, you know, you flew to Tallahassee yeah. with a player on your team that you found out had COVID and the other team's doctors decided, I don't know, sitting on a plane and then a bus with a kid who has COVID in a recirculated air thing, that might not be the safest situation. I'm not sure we should play this game. We don't know. Now, could Florida State have delayed the game maybe till Sunday or Monday? Yeah. Do I blame them for not wanting to play it on Saturday? No. But I think Dabo is just doing the thing where Dabo does, where he pretends the entire world is against Clemson and then something goes against Clemson. And it can't just be that the whole world is in a place right now where we're dealing with the thing that has far that's far bigger than football and far more important than your college football program. 
where his whole world revolves around his college football program. So he thinks that they're the victim here. They're the ones who are getting screwed and he's angry about it. And I get it because, man, I would be annoyed, too, if I flew down there for all that, get ready to play a game. And then the game got canceled. But like he can complain that it cost Clemson three hundred thousand dollars. But his own A.D. said today on the Packer and Durham, if they have a chance to make up a game, like say their pit game is canceled, they would rather make up that pit game because the pit game is in Clemson and that makeup game will be in death Valley. So, which is why Davo's out here being like, and if they want to make it up, you know what? Y'all can come to Clemson. (laughs) Like this has become a straight up like revenue issue for Clemson. Exactly. So he's sitting here crying about how Clemson spent the money and they lost money. And that sucks. I'm not saying it doesn't matter because we're in a deal where we're only playing these games for money this year. Let's be legit. That's the prime factor beside deciding behind playing this season because, man, they were already losing too much money. We had to save as much money as possible. So he's pissed that they lost 300 grand. But Florida State gave up revenue by not playing the game. It was a home game. It's not like they're sitting there just like, oh, we're scared. We don't want to play Clemson. They're going to beat us up. No, man, they had revenue that they lost. So Clemson's sitting here worried about its lost revenue. Florida State's lost money, too. You aren't the only victim here, Dabo. So that Get over it. I think Dabo has seasonal mood swings that has him in late November Warming up the Roy bus, right? Like he cannot help it. It's just what he does. He's used to having a couple of weeks of college football playoff rankings. We won't have the first one until Tuesday this year, but he just can't help himself. He's just so damn fired up that nobody believes in us. Nobody's treating little old Clemson with any respect. And it's just, he, it's what he does at this time every single year. And like, there are so many better ways. And I say better as in like deescalate this situation that he could have handled this and he couldn't help himself, man. He just has to go and throw those extra, uh, Woody Whitehurst on Twitter, fan of the show. He mentioned this. So I want to make sure I shout him out on it. He said, it was like when you've won an argument with your spouse or you've made the good points, but you just can't help yourself and throw in those like three or four extra lines or digs that are just, it's not going to help anything. Like you've made your point. That's well, it. But a couple of those, wait, like, you can, you can win an argument with your, <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of those points I want to put, uh, point out aren't exactly fair or accurate because he himself made the comparison when Trevor Lawrence uh, was positive and that he practiced with the team and then Boston College, they didn't – yeah, they came to Clemson. There wasn't – Trevor Lawrence wasn't on a plane in an enclosed atmosphere with all those players in a tight space. So it is not an accurate comparison there. And then there's this other one. I don't think this came from Dabo. This is more of a message board, people trying to figure out, you know, the little internet sleuths trying to do their thing, that this, quote, same thing happened with Pitt when they went to Florida State. There supposedly was a player that had the exact same issue. That's not true either. Andrew uh, Andrew Adelson with ESPN uh, confirmed that. They've done some research on that saying, no, 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 this didn't happen to anybody else. This is a one time, this is the only time it's happened. So, That's the problem when you rally the troops kind of as Dabo has done is now you get all this anger coming your way and people come up with these conspiracy theories. There is no doubt in my mind Florida State wasn't really thrilled about playing Clemson. They knew what was going to happen just like all of us did, but you can't say that they just needed an excuse to get out of the game because as Tom said, Florida State is in way worse way worse of a position financially than Clemson is. They had a lot to lose and they would have tried to do everything they could if they felt it was safe. So it's all I have, like, it's just, but again, to me, it's airing out your dirty laundry and nobody looks good. It's like the couple that's fun at fighting on the front lawn in front of the, <laughs> the, the whole neighborhood's like, look at those people. Well, they got problems. And the ACC's not saying anything. It's like, uh, it's, it's very, very Radakovich's, uh, Radakovich's theory. He's like, well, you know, maybe the ACC needs to have an arbiter on site. What about a phone? Can you just get somebody <laughs> from the ACC to get a FaceTime or a phone call and say, here, here's our problem. Here's exactly what's transpired. Can you guys give us some direction? It's, Maybe that would solve things. It's very, that would have solved anything, though. It? Basically, it's just sort of like Florida State just was like, no, we're like we're not going to play. Because, yeah, the ACC said. You can't force them to play. <laughs> Their doctors are like, no, this isn't safe. Then there's just some dude like, I have decided that you must play. <laughs> I mean, Clemson was with, like, the, the protocols in place 
Clemson was within mm-hmm. those protocols. Like they passed yes. those protocols. They were fought, like that according to the letter of the law, like the ACC was approving of this game to take place. Yes. Dabo even mentioned specifically the travel roster being extended from 72 to 80 in order to give yourself more room to work with in case there was a Friday positive test. So, you know, I, I far be it for me to like take sides, but you're on you Dabo's know? side. No, I, I, but I want to present Dabo's side. Yeah. I want to present Dabo's perspective. A lot, a lot of Dabo, a lot of Dabo hating on here. I, I, I so I, I do think it's fair for for the frustration. I, I do. I, I agree with the idea. Like, all right, Dabo, like we get it. Point made back away from the argument, but it is fair for the frustration to be there. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we all agreed on these rules. What we showed up, this happens. Uh, this is, we, we weren't being reckless with this. This is a guy that was asymptomatic early in, or was symptomatic early in the week when he was getting negative tests and he was not practicing. He practiced when he was asymptomatic and then tested and then tested negative Thursday prior to the trip. And on Friday, he was, he, he was still asymptomatic and tested positive. This thing's weird. Like stuff's weird. I was, I was talking uh, last night. Everyone in my house right now has a sniffly nose. Like we all got a little bit of a cough. Like we're, it's, it's winter. It's, it's the seasons are changing. Like what does it even mean to be symptomatic and asymptomatic? It's difficult and it's complicated. And I, I think that there, there's going to be, I mean, this was, a, I, I think from Dabo's perspective, a situation that could have been avoided that, but I'm, I'm not going to be mad at Florida state either. I'm not going to tell them how to decide what's safe for the players and isn't, but I, I certainly can understand the frustration from, from Clemson's end. You know, like I I completely understand where he's coming from and his frustration. My problem with Dabo is his tendency to just immediately portray himself as the victim and everything that goes, you know, any, any kind of slight against Clemson, he just jumps out in the, I'm the, we're the real victim or I'm the victim here. It's like, dude, everybody loses. It's been a bad year. How, uh, and and like, if you, oh, sorry, but to go back to like earlier this year when like Alabama had a game canceled, Nick Saban. Yeah, it sucks. We wanted to play. I'm sure they wanted to play, but you kind of have to expect something like this list that was going to happen in 2020. And that compared to Dabble's response to it happening to his team, where it's like, oh, they're out to get us. They're scared. Now this, this, to be fair to Dabo, again, because I, I do feel like we're piling on, this has been the only game where a team has actually traveled, right? The whole year where a team has showed up to play and been sent home. Now, granted, it's their fault because they did have the player again. This goes back to my original point. Don't get on that plane until you have your tests squared away so that this problem doesn't happen. But I think that's why it makes it even more frustrating. And to all the players that they were ready to go, I'm sure they wanted to play. And I kind of hope they don't get made up on December 12th because Clemson might hang 100 on them. Um, but all that being aside, like there are no winners where we stand right now. It's just making it all look worse. There is no, like, he, it wasn't a high horse, but there is no like higher road than listening to Mike Norvell talk because Mike Norvell gets to come out there and say this. Listen, man, I've had it. This is serious, and we take it seriously. <laughs> and what are you going to say to Mike Norvell when he's out there saying that? Like, like Mike Norvell has had no wins, and this isn't a win, but it's at least like a a moral victory of some kind that he's out here as like the take it from me. The safety comes first. This is no, no a joke. COVID survivor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. COVID survivor. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, think of think of this, too, from a different perspective of the teams. Like, there are a lot of programs out there who have had multiple games canceled this year, and it wasn't their fault. It had absolutely nothing to do with any of the players on their teams. It was their opponents having to cancel games because of their COVID issues. Yet their coaches aren't crying about it as like Dabo is. I'm telling you, he can't help himself. It's November no. 23rd. It's just, just what he does at this time of year. And I've defended him a lot for these kind of things when he does the nobody respects us stuff. But this is just a situation where it's like, dude, have some awareness of the reality of the situation. Mm. It's, it, he's just got a complete lack of it in this case. So half a hundred or a, hun- a whole hundred if they do I end just, up playing I on the I said a whole hundred if they want it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's just, that's yeah. why I'm kind of hoping uh, maybe that game, maybe they reschedule with somebody else that'll go to. By the way, Mike Norvell did say he would chip in to a fund yeah. so they could reimburse Clemson and pay for their travel for the December 12th meeting. Don't so. do that, Mike. Don't do, don't that. do it, man. Don't, don't pay $300,000 no. so that you can for get that your ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, okay. So... 
this was a, a request in to the show um, from Danny Cannell. We want DK's reaction to the instant reaction. Now, now uh, you know, you the the instant reaction podcast. I know it records after your bedtime, but it, it does. You, Late, you've been after you, work. You make it a part of your Sunday or Monday, clearly. So I do. It what, is absolutely required listening because I want to make sure I'm in on the conversation. So I didn't want to make this a too long, a drawn out thing, but I just wanted some quick reactions and maybe some follow-up questions okay. uh, for a couple of couple of the comments that I heard while I was listening to it on my uh, run on the beach uh, early, early this morning. Um, so you guys were talking about the uh, Wisconsin Northwestern game. Uh, and the first thing I noticed was Fornelli, fraudulent Fornelli, has a fascination with points off turnovers like they're a bad thing. <laughs> Like, because going into the Indiana Ohio State game, that was a big knock against Indiana. Too many points off turnovers. Then in Northwestern's upset victory over Wisconsin, it was like, well, yeah, five turnovers for Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> what, what, at what point are turnovers actually a good thing and they're not a dock against a team's resume? Points off of turnovers are a great thing. Forcing turnovers and converting them to points are a great thing. The problem that I've had, like with what Indiana was and is now kind of Northwestern's same situation they're dealing with after their start, even after that win, is they're overly reliant on them. You have to be able to score points without forcing turnovers. You have to put together actual drives. Because the national average is, I, I just posted these stats on Sunday night on my Twitter account. The national average is like 16.4%. And, you know, we're talking about if you're up in the 20s or 30% of your points coming off turnovers, that tells me your offense isn't very good. Because I did the uh, the top 10 teams after this week in as far as points off turnovers or percentage of them. And number one is Baylor, I think, and Illinois was right behind or Illinois might have been, whatever. But of the 10 offenses, as far as points per drive on offense – only of those top 10, I think only two were in the top 50 as far as points per drive on actual offense. And I think Wisconsin was one of them, and I can't remember who the second one was. So there's definitely a correlation between scoring too many of your points off turnovers. It's not that doing it itself in this vacuum is bad. It's just if it's if it's responsible for half your points, that tells me your offense probably sucks. It's a whole lot of numbers in there. I kind of tuned out when I heard the blah, 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 37%, blah, blah, I will blah. DM you the tweet. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, so that was one of my questions. The other one was uh, for one Barton Simmons when uh, guys were I'm talking about the uh, Indiana-Ohio State game. And uh, we were talking about Michael Penix, and you were like, eh, he's, he's all right. Like, I just, I just want to make sure that you did see the stat line, that he did have 491 no, yards passing against the number three-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. He's obviously doing something good. No, so I, I actually got um, – it's, it's funny you say that, because right before this, we recorded this, I got hit up on Twitter by someone – who was who was like a little bit like angry being like Barton you like you must have been totally drunk on Saturday night how dare you say some of the things you said you owe some apologies I was like oh <laughs> damn <laughs> uh, and so sir there were 65 and, minutes <laughs> <laughs> and so I asked like what did I like to whom do I owe an apology and he was like for starters Michael Penix and so I feel like I, I, I didn't express my, my sentiment properly because I feel like Chip, Tom, like you guys can, can speak to this. I, I don't know how much I've been loving up Penix this season, but like I've been a Penix guy mm -hmm. for since last year. I think he's a really good player. I think my point in, in that was just, I know we put up like 490 throwing the football, but my point in that was that he did put up 490. And while I think he's a good player, if Michael Penix can put up 490, he ain't the only guy that can put up 490 on that defense. I think that's what that was. That was the point I was trying to make is that Ohio State, that secondary is vulnerable. Michael Penix, as good of a player as he is, he ain't Trevor Lawrence. He ain't. I, he ain't like he, Ian Book is every bit the player Michael Penix is. Like there, there's there's the teams that Ohio State is going to have to beat are perfectly capable of doing exactly what Michael Penix did. Yeah, and, and to support what you were saying, I think that it was also in the context of Penix was tossing some balls up there that probably wouldn't have been recommended. 
Like he would be under pressure and he would just kind of fling them down the field. And he was, you know, Indiana's receivers were making the plays and coming down with it where it wasn't the, it was, it wasn't, it was more results over process kind of situation with some of those throws. Okay. That's fair. Listen, those we, the- we get caught in those instant reaction pods. <laughs> they, reaction. You know, you know, it's <laughs> also late at night. It's just like, you're kind of going off the cuff. You haven't really had any time to prepare. So it's just, it's like, yeah, no, but huh. see, I, I think this is why good. Cause I come up with the listener's perspective. Obviously some people were fired up. I was getting a little fired up. So I just wanted to kind of just nudge a little bit, dig hey, a little deeper to clear some things up. I'm with it. It offers us an opportunity like yeah. to clarify what our points were intended to be. So, Hey, you keep bringing it, Danny. There I we think go. So. It's, it's like you're, you're our, our auditor. Auditor. Do yeah. Do you want me to take some of the Indiana heat off of you, Barton? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Indiana fans, you should support me for what I'm about to say. You should agree with me. A little too much good for them going on. I think they lost the game and I feel like everybody's treating them like they won just because they played it close. That is the conversation. I will agree with you. I don't I, too much of that for my taste. Well, yeah. that's, that's just your taste victories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, good. Good for you. But the, the conversation marketplace is, is, is out here just loving up the Hoosiers for making that interesting. I mean, that was 35 to seven, right? Yeah. Late in the game, third, third or fourth quarter, that thing was 35 to seven. And we were cruising towards an Ohio state cover and to just keeping the machine running. And the fact that the Hoosiers saved the entertainment factor of the noon slate is probably why everyone's loving them up. They can't help themselves. So no moral victories uh, agreed. Are we, do we give moral defeats? Like, are we, should we, should I lay off Ohio State? Should I, or, or, or can I continue to lean into this? Like they took a step back. They're not, they're not the, the Alabama combatant that I had thought they were. I've been if, coming if at it. believe it. Stick with it, yeah. I've been coming at it two ways. Like, the Justin Fields, I don't think, is a regression. I think that was a bad game. I'm Mm -hmm. expecting Justin Fields to be more like the start to the season than he was like Indiana. But if you're going to come at the Ohio State pass defense and say, well, that is something that needs to be fixed or it's going to get exposed and picked apart in the playoffs, it's like those are the two things for me where I acknowledge – the field's bad performance, but I don't think that's indicative of who Fields is or what Ohio State is. But the pass defense might be indicative of who Ohio State's defense is. Can I give you guys a um, so a buddy of mine who's an NFL scout who I trust his eyes on this stuff more than my eyes, right? So I was, I was just over the course of a conversation. This was before the Indiana game. All right, this was um, a week ago, maybe. We were talking Justin Fields and. I'm going to save you some of like the color because I don't want this to turn into some like aggregated, like hot take of like Justin Fields um, because that's not, that wasn't the intent of the conversation, but, um, but it was a very honest opinion of them. That was not as lofty as I would have expected. Um, The, the thing I'll I'll, I'll say this, he said um, he doesn't have the ability to drive it. Like some of the top guys he's, he's got arm strength in the burrow range, but not as accurate or smart. Like that was that again, that was before the Indiana game. That was when he had like seven touchdowns to six incompletions or something, you know, for in, in the first three games. So with that in mind, it was interesting that um, he kind of had his rough game and I am going to continue to sort of keep a closer look on him because, you know, I'd been hyping this, Hey, do we see a, a, a next step with fields to, to put him on the tier of Trevor Lawrence potentially? Um, and I, I do think, Again, that's just one man's opinion, but I, I would anticipate that Lawrence is still a pretty clear notch above in the NFL perspective draft-wise. Yeah, I, I would say my main knock against him is that he holds on to the ball way too long sometimes. Speaking of... My, my thing with... And I think this is, dude, this is a direct... And I think this happens with great offenses in college. I think you see it happen with Oklahoma somewhat. I think it happened with Ohio State. Their offensive talent and offensive play calling is such that a lot of times it's hit the open guy like the first guy who's wide open there's not a lot of depth to the to the progressions of getting through all right he's not there then I'm going to go to this guy then I'm going to get to my outlet or a lot of you know and I know there's some very basic one high two high where the middle of the field's open you're going to read this half of the field if the middle field's closed you're going to read this half of the field I get that, but you're going to see a whole lot more of that at the next level. 
And I, it's not anybody's fault. It's just they're so good and so efficient with their play calling that sometimes I think it's tough to translate that to the NFL, a la Baker Mayfield, who was so accurate at Oklahoma. And he, was, he made great throws, but then it's a massive jump when you're all of a sudden getting to a real complex um, offenses where you're having to read things through a lot more than you are at Oklahoma or Ohio State or a lot of schools. While we're here in the Big Ten, Northwestern in the new AP poll is up to number 11. It is as high as Northwestern has been ranked in the AP poll since current head coach Pat Fitzgerald was a hard-nosed, capital-T, tough linebacker for Northwestern, playing for Gary Barnett and the Rose Bowl Wildcats. Northwestern, do you believe they are the 11th best football team in the country? Uh, I think they should be higher. I don't know if that means they should be, they are like the whatever best team, but I, I, why is Oregon ranked ahead of Northwestern is what I'm asking. Oregon is three and O with wins against Stanford, Washington state, and UCLA two teams or three teams that are, I think are combined two and five Northwestern's five and O with a win over a Maryland team. That's two and O win over an Iowa team that got off to an O and two star, but has been just waxing everybody the last three weeks and is three and two now a win over Purdue. And it just beat a top 10 team in Wisconsin. And so it has two more wins total and it has better wins than any that Oregon has. So why is Northwestern ranked two spots behind Oregon? That's what I would like to know. Well, Wisconsin had five turnovers, so it's probably what it was. <laughs> um, what, no, I agree with you. I look at, I think they should be higher. I think this is an overall, when you're talking about Northwestern specifically, I've been getting a little bit more antsy and irritated, and I think this is going to be more problematic than anybody even thought is with the playoffs, the way this is going to unfold at the end of the year. Just the the whole resume-based eye test, who are the four teams. And I know the, the college football playoff came out on Sunday and said, we talked about expansion, but we thought, you know, we, did, we decided to stick with four. I want to know what good reasons they had other than ESPN really didn't want to move it back. They wanted January 1st. They wanted January 10th because – I just don't know how you're going to get a legitimate four here because I think there's going to be, and I think you could, you know, clearly you're going to have a legitimate one. Bama looks like they're starting to even separate themselves so the rest of the pack. And it'll probably be two and maybe three teams that are there. But, man, are there going to be more teams than ever this year. They're going to have cases for that four spot, and they're all going to look completely different because some of them may have only played six or seven games. Some of them may have played seven or eight games, and some of them might have played 10 games, but not a conference championship. It is going to be controversial this year, and I think they completely missed an opportunity to get it right and to get it better for college football and to potentially change it for the future forever. But that resistance and you know stubbornness, I think is going to create some controversy because it does go to like, how has Oregon only played three games versus not very good opponents? And Northwestern, as you mentioned, just had a top 10 win. And you still have Oregon ahead. You know, we're going to find out a lot more tomorrow night where they're thinking. My hunch is you're going to see a massive drop in Cincinnati BYU because they don't even want to get them close to the conversation. Well, the my, my theory on the four versus eight thing is the college football playoffs have a lot better chance of being completed if you're keeping four teams healthy over the course of two weeks than if you're trying to keep eight teams healthy over the course of three weeks. Um, so more games, I think, it's, I think equals, it's more logistical. It's like a, it's like a probability. If you have more games and more teams got more chance of it not being able to, to go off uh, as quite as scheduled. The, uh, do y'all know how many wins USC's opponents have this year? <laughs> Zero. Zero. The they even play, they've only played like the one games against USC though. <laughs> yeah, they they're 3 and 0 and their three opponents have zero wins in 2020. So, so they're, were they you know, 0 and 1 non-USC games? Uh let's see Arizona lost yeah. to USC and then lost to uh Washington, Washington. and yeah. then Arizona State hasn't played anybody hasn't played since again. and Utah's only game was at USC. So what's going to happen, and this is going to drive me nuts, because I think two of the worst words in the English dictionary are eye test. 
there's going to be a whole lot of we think this team is the best in the country. And while that's great for us and what we do and every week, that's totally fine. And if we want to put out a top 25 or you want to do a top 128 with CBS Sports or whatever list we're putting out, that's great. But when that list determines the national champion, that is a major flaw. Like I cannot stand that that's how – and it is every year – but I think this year it's going to be more glaring than ever. They're going to, we think this team is the best, and I just, it's going to drive me nuts. I love, love, love Barton Simmons 2020 of the committee. They think they've got some pretty-ass eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think very highly of their own eyes. They think they got them. All right, you mentioned BYU there. Uh, coming up on the other side – we got to get into this because with Washington State unable to participate in the Apple Cup this weekend against Washington because of COVID tests and protocol, there has been some rumblings and some chatter about a potential addition of a Power 5 opponent to the BYU schedule. What to make of that, what it could mean for BYU, and what the playoff future might look like for the Cougars, and more next the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay. So, BYU would, will only play Washington if they can lock in a long-term agreement, right? And Washington will only play BYU if we can just go ahead and get this thing scheduled as a one-off. Do I no, have that I, correct? I, I thought it was, no. wasn't a long-term agreement. It was they just, just a, want to make sure it happens. A guarantee yeah. that it happens this weekend and mm -hmm. doesn't get the boot for a Pac-12 opponent that might pop up late in the week. And like Washington... The Arizona State game gets canceled, which is probably going to happen, I think. Okay, and so Washington is trying to keep its options open because the Pac-12 has been slotting all around. I think around. the Pac-12 is trying to get, keep the options open. Oh. I, no, I don't... I, I'm Because Washington, like, they, they would have... There's... Like, Washington should absolutely want to play this game. Like, what you've got an opportunity at Washington to add a sort of a contextual win outside of the Pac-12 kind of ecosystem. And BYU is going to be BYU. Like, if BYU gets one more game in against San Diego State, yeah. then you got a B, an undefeated BYU team against potentially a win over San Diego State that is looking like could be the best group of five team in college football. That, that in some ways, that's a, that's a more revealing win for Washington, more revealing resume builder than a win over Arizona, Utah, like yeah. whoever. Yeah, I, I wrote about it in the Monday after too. If I'm BYU, and like they said, they're willing to play the game as long as it's guaranteed that they'd play the game and that the Pac-12 doesn't pull the rug out from under them and say, actually, no, we're going to have Washington play Utah because Utah's game against Arizona State's been canceled and we want to keep it within the conference and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think BYU should play the game. At least I've, I think I wrote today, I think BYU should wait until Tuesday night to decide what it wants to do because they need to see where they are in the college football playoff rankings. Because if they're in the top 10, 
they have absolutely nothing to gain by playing Washington. They are in a position where they're not, we can pretend they're going to the college football playoff, blah, blah, blah. They're not. And beating Washington, wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the difference between BYU playing in the playoff and BYU missing the playoff. It could be the difference between BYU being in a New Year's Six game and being outside a New Year's Six game. Because if they're in position right now to get one of those at-large berths and they lose to Washington, they're out. They don't get the group of five. It is like the the BYU hand that they have as an mm-hmm. independent yeah, means that the they have yeah. to get one of those two at-larges that normally goes to Florida after they lose the SEC championship game. Yes. So Man, I don't like the way you're thinking, Fornelli. I don't like that at all. I want the competitive team that tweets out the swaggiest photo of the year with Zach Wilson that says anytime, any place, anywhere, and their team official team account tweets it out, and then less than 24 hours later, there's an opportunity to play somebody anytime, anywhere, any place, and they say, ah, thanks, but no thanks. No, but they didn't say no thanks. They're telling Washington, yeah, as long as you guarantee we play the game this weekend. I'm saying they're taking the wrong approach. They're taking your approach. I'm saying it's the wrong one. I'm I'm with Danny here. Like this is this is so maddening. Like I understand the perspective here, Tom. Like you are making the case for the administrator, for the decision maker. This is you know that that is a a sound reasoning, Um, and yet, like then, then let's just quit all the group of five bluster. Let's just shut the hell up. Like let's just like. Just, just get relegated to your little group of five corner and play out the season, and, and you know what? Like, have a group of five championship at the end of it. But don't sit like you got to do things that are uncomfortable. You have to like expose yourself in a way that the, the power five doesn't. That's just the way it is. That's the pecking order. If you want to level up, you got to do things that are a little uncomfortable relative to the rest of the country. This is an opportunity. There's an, and, and if, and if the, and the game is canceled and there's no game, well, all right. So they had four days of prep work. They get thrown out the window. But, Sorry. But maybe I mean, BYU's got something going with somebody else. Well, let's do that too. Right. Do that too. Like right. do it. And, and, and if you can get a, if you can get a game with Cincinnati, December 5th, great. If you can get a game with Oregon, December 5th, great. Whatever you can do, do it also load it up, man, because this is the only chance you're going to get. How many opportunities is there going to be realistically for a group of five to get in the college football playoffs? And you say they have nothing you're to not gain. They're not getting in. They're right. not getting I, I in. Agree. This year they could. You don't think no, this year they, they can't. could? No, I think they could. I think no. they could this year. If Danny, I think there they could, no if, way. if they could schedule two more games versus power five opponents, their resume would be approaching some what, other teams that are in there. What power five opponents could they realistically schedule that would be good enough to put them in the playoff? Cause Washington isn't good enough. Well, hold on, hold on now. Especially we, we, if you uh, beat it. Cause now on. Washington sucks. That's I think, not true. No, Washington can win the pack 12. Yeah, Washington could win the Pac-12. And then you got the Pac-12 champ on your resume. And secondly, you're right. They probably, it probably doesn't matter. And they probably don't get in regardless of what they do. But then at the end of the year, when they're sitting there pounding their chest about, oh, we could have played anybody. Like, you should have just given us a chance. Like, they can't do that if they didn't take this opportunity. But if they go and play... Uh, Washington on short notice. If they go and play someone else next week, uh, week after that on short notice, and just go out there and just ball out and win, just like hold courts on the on the playground, then I hear you. They could say whatever the hell they want for as long as they want. Have the parade, give the signing bonuses, do all the stuff UCF <laughs> did, because you just went out there and like big time. What did everybody. UCF do? What did UCF do? They declared when it got them- left out of the playoff. Oh, it beat Auburn. It beat Auburn in what? In what bowl game, Chip? The Peach Bowl. So if BYU doesn't play Washington and it gets a New Year's Six berth and it's in the Peach Bowl or it's in the Cotton Bowl and it plays a Power Five program and beats them, guess what? They just did what you said they had to do. But no, There's but- two avenues, except one comes with a giant check at the end and you're an independent program who's on your own. You don't have a conference to support you. The smart thing to do is play for the New Year's Six berth, get in Oklahoma or somebody like that, like we talked about on Saturday Night's Reaction Show, and beat them. Beat, that's beat smart. Oklahoma that's when you beat them. Smart, man. That's smart. That's reasonable. No, I don't think it is because when you beat them, that team's like, hey, we didn't want to be there. We didn't even want to play. Who like, cares? Yeah, we that's them being babies. And- 
doesn't BYU, aren't they one of the teams that I haven't read about having a lot of financial problems? Like, don't they have all the church money and TV money? Because they have their own network too. Like, they have a lot of problems, but money isn't one of them. I think they have to be playing for reputation and the sliver. Like, because I agree, in a normal year, they are never getting in. I think this year I'd put it at one, maybe 2%. If you can increase that by scheduling Washington and another team and whoever else, like they're saying, anybody, anywhere, anytime, then do it, especially this year. There is no way in the <laughs> world BYU or Cincinnati are getting in the playoff. Okay, it's so not happening. if you said if they're in the top 10, they've got no incentive. I, is there, is there a, a ranking? scenario where they get in. I got Go a scenario ahead, where they get in. you're wrong. All right, Texas A&M gets beat by Auburn, then Texas uh-huh. A&M's out of there. Uh, Ohio State loses a game. They're still out of there in. because they're no still Ohio in. State still in. I, I guarantee with you right now, Danny. Schedule. I guarantee you right now that Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are already in, no matter what happens. No matter what happens, right now right. you're willing to take right that now. right now. Uh, I'll right take a now. bet on that. All right, look, Alabama's whatever. SEC is in. Big Ten is in. ACC is in. Clemson wins out. Ohio State wins out. Alabama wins out. Those three are in. Okay, so then it's then it's about who are you taking a two loss Florida? Or are you taking it's basically see them or A and M? Or them or Pac-12. Or Notre Dame. Or Notre Dame. Or Notre Dame. Okay. One so let's loss. Just say, let's just say Clemson wins by 17. You know, whatever. Like, let's let's give it a, let's, let's make this. What if Notre like Dame also, possibility. You know what happens if Notre Dame wins? Well, the first loss didn't count. Trevor Lawrence didn't play. So no, we're going to no, get Clemson no, another no shot. There is no chance. There is no Danny, chance. Danny, it's a TV event. Beat. It's not a realistic no playoff. Chance. They won't want a three-time game when one team's already lost it twice. But none of There's this matters. <laughs> none of this matters. None of this matters because all they should do is just pony up to the table and put the chips down and say, let's play ball and make Thank a you. statement. Thank like, you. who cares? Make a statement for, like, all of group of five and just, and, and, like, and, and just lay it out on the table. Be, be a bad-ass dude and walk in there and, and pick a fight. And you know, beat like, them all and still get to the New Year's Six and beat another one. Line them up. <laughs> I understand where you guys are coming from with the BYU thing. Again, they want to play the game. Washington won't guarantee it. The Pac-12 won't guarantee Anytime, it. Anytime, anyplace, BYU anywhere, is- as long as it's on this day, <laughs> as long as we have these assurances, as long like, give me a break. Just play ball. Like, let's do this. <laughs> I get it. I understand. I want to see the game. As a fan, I want to see the game. But using my brain instead of my, I sit there and say that if I'm BYU, it's the smart decision that they're making. They're I, making the best decision. I do think Washington them. might win the Pac-12. And if you've got to win over I the Pac-12 champ, then that'd be pretty but good. I don't, again, I don't think that's going to carry that much weight. So Tuesday really, night, it comes out. Like if, if BYU is 14 on Tuesday night, are you like, I don't know, BYU, you might want to get up in there. Yes. No, if they're at 14, they should 100% million, a billion percent play Washington on any terms available because that's the only way they're going to get. I don't think it matters if they're six on Tuesday night. You play the game. I'm saying. I I get it. (laughs) But just just to belabor this point further, they can't put BYU or Cincinnati in this year, A, because it sets a precedent for the future, whereas now next year, if you're in a similar situation, you can't just completely ignore the G5 like you have been all the time because now there's a precedent that says, well, you let them in last year. And B, when they do expand eight games, they have to save the group of five thing as a reason for a narrative for expanding. So that way they could say, we've decided to expand to make the playoff more inclusive and give everybody a chance because that's a much better thing to say. We're expanding because it means four more games and that means a lot more money. And that's really what this is all about. And that's why we're not moving off of New Year's Day, even though we probably should, because this is just a TV event and ESPN has other games scheduled for other Sundays. So we can't play on those days. Those good ass eyes don't have to do a damn thing they don't want to do any year ever unless and they're BYU, just going to pick the four teams they want unless no matter BYU what you picks a fight with the biggest baddest dude they could find and you know locks the door behind them and i mean I, this just do it but one more thing let's not forget that this year 
Any bowl game that's being played can pick any team it wants to be in its game, no matter their record. You could be 0-8 Michigan, and they if they want Michigan and Michigan's fans will come, they're going to ask Michigan. So what makes you think the College Football Playoff Selection Committee is going to take any kind of the same approach? They're going to pick any team they want to get the best ratings they can, to get the most money they can out of it, because again... The only reason we're playing this season is to save as much money as possible, kids. I, I don't buy the ratings I, thing. I don't either. Michigan State got in. They were awful. There's been some bad That's not the same situation. Ones. No, I know, but I'm just saying, if they were doing truly ratings every year, they would have the biggest. I do think clear, They need I, to maximize profits this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't buy the conspiracy. So the bowl eligibility thing, um, this was brought up on your uh, – Barton Simmons writes um, the what is what is your coaches when it's not a winners and losers what is it Coach, coaches of the week coaches of the week coaches of the week and it includes a hot seat section hot seat includes this week spotlight on Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente so Virginia Tech has the active bowl streak right now twenty eight bowls in a row it's possible that Virginia Tech which travels really, really well to bowl games, especially if they're within about a five to six hour drive from Blacksburg in Southwest Virginia. It's possible that they could still go somewhere regardless of their record. Cause it's looking like they're going to have a losing record for the first time since uh, almost, I guess before the bowl streak started. You think Justin Fuente is coaching in that bowl game when they get invited at four and six? <laughs> I think so. You think so? You're going to hang on to the Justin Fuente experience for, uh, for another year? I mean, so the buyout will be, after December 15th, the buyout will be $10 million. Right. It drops. Uh, it's 12 and a half uh, as we sit here today. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good enough sense for just sort of like what the, what the bloodthirst of that, you know, booster group is or you know whoever is whoever's doing the executing over there i'm not i don't i don't get a sense for how how uh, aggressive they are or not uh but i mean next year he would be i think without goes without saying he'd be playing for his job it's trending in the wrong direction yeah without question um this would be the ultimate kind of COVID pass, I think if he did get it. Right. Um, that hey, you know, even if it's 10 million, it's still a lot of money. Let's try to make it work. There are, I have some buddies that I've uh worked with at ESPN that were PAs that are hardcore Virginia Tech uh hokies that have been the most ardent Justin Fuente supporters who more recently I've heard from them you know, maybe this isn't working out. And when you hear, when you start losing your faithful, you know, those, that crowd, then, you know, you can start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But I do feel like this would be the type of program that there won't be enough heat, enough desire to cut those type of checks where he'll get the one-year pass. As we turn our attention to the week 13 early line, look ahead, a reminder that many of these games discussed here are also going to be available in this week's CBS Sports College Football Pick'em Challenge. So it's Monday afternoon. The card isn't set yet. It is going to be released on Tuesday, and that contest starts every Tuesday. will run up until noon on Saturday. It is the biggest games from Saturday. You pick them against the spread, and you have a chance to win $1,000 guaranteed cash prize. You can play solo. $1,000 is going to be given away every single week. It is free to enter. You log in, say play solo, play now, click all your winners against the spread, submit it, boom, you're in it. Or you could start a pool and you could compete against your friends, compete against your coworkers. Uh, there are season long standings. I mean, it is, uh, it, it is all going at cbssports.com slash college. Once again, that is cbssports.com slash college. The biggest games against the spread on Saturday. Shout out to K-Dub, who is in first place right now for the season. Had 10 correct winners on last week's card, up to 73 for the season, holding a two-game lead on Poshmark. 
hopefully y'all are cover three podcast listeners. But uh, even if you have not been competing for as long as some of these others on the standing, you can be winning this cash prize every single week. CBSports.com slash college to play. Once again, that is CBSports.com slash college to play. Texas, Iowa State, Friday. Texas is a two-point home favorite. Top 25 game, so it's not the trap, the sleeper trap that you might describe to Tom Herman. Um, we have not seen Texas since it's back-to-back wins against Oklahoma State and West Virginia with the Kansas game postponed. I feel like, you know, we put them to the side. Now we pick it up, you know, work on the gears, maybe hit some WD-40. Where's, where's Texas going to be at? Do you trust the Longhorns uh, to cover two points at home against an Iowa State team that just absolutely worked Kansas State over the weekend? A lot of dueling principles in this one. <laughs> Tom Herman's playing ranked team. So like you said, you can almost expect him to do well. Uh, there's a ranked underdog in Iowa State you kind of want to go against. But on the other side... Matt Campbell is an underdog and he's 22 and eight against the spread as an underdog in his career. So I don't know. <laughs> my, my gut says I'm going to go with Iowa state though, because you know, it's Texas. Cause Texas could win out. I don't know if Texas will win out, right? They've got Iowa state at home this weekend. Then they finish at Kansas state at Kansas. If, Texas beats Iowa State. It gets the head-to-head advantage against Iowa State, and that might be enough also with the win against Oklahoma State, win against West Virginia. Winning out puts Texas in the Big 12 championship game. I, for a while, have believed that the Big 12 championship would be a rematch of the Red River shootout. I'm sticking to it. I think Texas gets the best of Iowa State this weekend. I don't know. To, to, to say a win against, might, yeah, yeah. To, I mean, I just to, the win against Kansas State was impressive. Um, I don't know. I still have. I don't know. Brock Purdy's been less than impressive. I think they're a little bit one dimensional um, with Brees Hall. I think Texas will be able to have some success uh, when you are facing a team that is one dimensional like that. They've been playing better, kind of like Texas in the spot. And we're one dimensional this weekend. No, against, I know. Uh, against Kansas State. Yeah, yeah, no, that was far and away their best performance of the season. That was the first uh, time I watched them, and I was like, oh, wow, no, this is actually a good team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the buzzer on the campfire is Tom Herman needs to win out. And so this would be interesting if, uh, you know, fire or what? Or Urban? I, I got to hear I the, mean, uh, the buzz. Well, or he's gone. And right. But see, this is Urban, the case. Urban, Sorry, being, Urban being the. Urban being the guy they they want, right? Or they think they can get. Yeah. They. But man, you better make sure. Wait, wait. There is such. Imagine that. Like they get rid of Tom Herman, then uh, Urban's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, and and I don't. don't I don't even. Yeah, and I don't even know if they. I don't know how realistic Urban is. I think there's an assumption that 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 job would make a lot of sense for him. Um, but I think yeah, like there's the fan base has definitely convinced themselves that if Herman's out, Urban's in. Long-held tradition of Texas convincing itself it can get a coach that nobody's quite sure that coach wants. Yeah, I was going to say there's a gulf between who they want and who they think they can get. You said you said Urban is who they want, who they think they can get, and there's just like so much room between those two things for Texas. Um, Well, the irony is Herman was who they wanted and who they got. I know, and he's he's not been it yet. Mm, um, Also. On Friday, Notre Dame, North Carolina, the Fighting Irish, a narrow four-and-a-half-point favorite in Chapel Hill. Upset alert? I think, nah. I think that's I think that's a scary game. Nah. Tar Heels, money line mm. on the nah. field. So, I don't hate it. Notre Dame's not ready to play get loose like this. A <coughs> couple quick touchdowns. Mm, Ian Book nah. starts to press. Mm-mm. Just, I... I I'm kind of in a, I don't buy North Carolina against good defenses. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think who, who have they laid an egg against this year? That's good defenses. Uh, let's see. Their first egg Florida was state. A, Florida state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, they haven't really played a good defense. That's the thing. 
BC was probably the best defense that they played, and that was one of the more troublesome games that they've had. Yeah, they really haven't played a lot of good defense. I think they've got some talent. I mean, obviously, I think they have some talent where they could put up some points. It'd be interesting to see if they could jump out early and you kind of flip the script a little bit, you know, make Notre Dame try to throw it a little bit more if they can keep up the pace. I also think, though, that matchup-wise, that that's just a game where Notre Dame can absolutely dominate them. Like, offensively, I feel like they could just control the ball and suck the air out of that game so fast. We'll see. Tar Heels. Money line. <laughs> the Clemson, Clemson last year made them believe they could do it. I'm telling you. Get the job done. It's going to be on Saturday. On Friday. Uh, Penn State, Michigan is a nationally televised football game between two teams whose combined record is 2-8. and eight. Penn State and Michigan. And that is 0-5 Penn State, by the way, against 2-3 and three Michigan. The Wolverines coming off that program-changing win against Rutgers are two-point favorites. I mean, is Wait, it just so, sickness so that saying, makes you watch this? So you're, you're saying that two well-known brands are getting a spotlight game despite their records? I can't believe the college football playoff would ever consider <laughs> doing something similar. Uh, hell yeah, I'm watching this game. Come on, it's like it's Michigan and Penn State. It's the biggest game of the year. Principal under? <laughs> I have no. I don't know if I want to bet this game. I'm probably going to watch it. I would. I, you know what? I would bet Mich- Penn State simply because Michigan shouldn't be favored against anybody. <laughs> oh, and five value. Yeah, like we're always yeah. looking for the yeah. winless teams with value. Also, isn't isn't Penn State winless against the spread too? Oh yeah. Oh God! Oh yeah, Penn State lock of the week. <laughs> I, I want to see the Cade McNamara era continue. Is that switched over? Are we just letting McNamara run with it? It's got to be. How would, would you go back? You have to because yeah, I that's mean, that's two games in a row where McNamara has come in and played better than Milton. Yeah, I think it's an easy switch. Okay, uh, what other games from the Week Thirteen slate have y'all's attention? Uh, Ohio State thinks it's just going to walk into Memorial Stadium in Champaign as a four touchdown favorite. <laughs> they're yeah, going to no. they're going to limp in after the uh, moral defeat or whatever. I hope when Illinois loses by thirty five, everybody's like, "Yeah, but they played hard." <laughs> I love it. Kent State at Buffalo. Buffalo is a seven and a half point favorite right now. It's a big number for old Kent State. Yeah, I think I'm on Kent State there. Oh man, how about some how, good ones? I want to save some of these for locks because I got some good ideas for the locks. Well, how about <laughs> how about this one? USC is a 13 and a half point favorite against Colorado. Buffs, buffs, <laughs> right there, buffs. That's like I've I've firmly been on the USC is not as bad as either Chip or Barton want to believe it is bandwagon, but. That's a lot of points considering how USC has played. So I don't know. Bet on USC and then lose. And then tell me how you feel about USC. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a harrowing experience. And then, then so bet I, against I, USC. I have bet I have bet all three of USC's games this year. I bet I bet them twice to win and cover, bet them twice to cover and they've lost. Right. And I and I bet them I faded them this weekend with Utah and they covered. See, I bet on them this weekend against Utah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm, you know what came up? I'm, I'm really, I, I can't wait to watch the Iron Bowl. I mean, it feels like uh, Alabama's been cruising. They're a 24-point favorite against Auburn. Um, kind of curious to see what kind of fight Auburn can put up. Can they make it interesting? Can they carry it to the second half? I feel like it's kind of like a principle where I have to, if Auburn's getting that many points in an Iron Bowl... Yeah, considering how Auburn typically plays in these games against Alabama, I feel like you kind of have to take Auburn here. I mean, it's it's going to be close. It's going to be competitive, and you can see it on CBS Sports, cbssports.com, or on the CBS Sports app. That's right. Every SEC on CBS game of the week is available for free. Watch it through the CBS Sports app. CBS Sports HQ will be your home for all pregame, halftime, and postgame fun all around the Iron Bowl. Auburn doesn't win in Bryant-Denny. The game's in Bryant-Denny. Alabama's going to win. Auburn's a pretty – I mean, I, I get I get the idea of why uh, you take the Tigers, but I don't I don't see them marching into Tuscaloosa and coming out with the win. Hey, two, two of the best games of the weekend. One – 
West Virginia hosting Oklahoma, who might be like the second best team in college football right now. Mm -hmm. And the other one is Vanderbilt. Tennessee. At night. Yep. Yeah. Tennessee. I think they I think they've won like three of three of the last six against the Vols. And there is a certain radio host who has been well known who campaigned against one head coaching hire and absolutely backed another one who all of a sudden, and this is as close to again, I've maybe I was wrong, has said if they lose that game, potentially it's time for a change. So watch out, Jeremy Pruitt. You talk about hot seat. Oh, well, when that guy turns on you, you're done. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Make sure that uh, you are subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast. We will be diving back into these games and more uh, on the Locks edition. Holiday Locks, we are recording on Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe uh, Tuesday night after the new college football playoff rankings come out. We will have college football playoff rankings reaction. We'll see where BYU lands and whether or not they need to call Washington right away. The debate will be settled on Tuesday night, so make sure you subscribe. Follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. Follow him at Tom Finelli. Follow him at Barton Simmons. Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. BYU is doing the right thing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.